welcome to AIJ Cast, a podcast featuring conversations and performances at the intersection of art, inspiration, and justice. I'm your host, Marthame Sanders. On this episode, part two of our conversation with Janica Blackwell. Janica is a visual artist, a worship leader, and spoke with us from her home in Atlanta. You've talked about how sign making has become uh, an outlet for your visual art for the protests. Yeah. Yeah, you talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, like I said, I am. I love lettering and you know creating font and um, so I just you know I started making signs for the the very first protest I went to and I ended up uh, reusing a lot of signs, but I just I started making signs. I ended up going to over the like I haven't gone in two weeks, but prior to that, for three weeks I think I did close to 20 protests mm. um so that was a lot of signs that was a lot of sign making but you know there's something about that where you know just like you know making big bold letters and making big bright signs and and these statements that you know that are going to be seen that might they might be um recorded mm. you know you don't you don't know like where they're going to end up or what media or who's going to see them. But I just feel very like, I feel it's my duty to like mm. make vibrant signs that people will be encouraged by and to really state what it is that we're doing out there and make it big and bold. And I, I like making multiple signs and taking signs. Like if somebody doesn't have a sign, mm. have one of mine. Like I just, yeah, mm. it's, it's definitely a um, just part of this whole process <laughs> that I'm personally going through when it comes to uh, like spiritually deconstructing some things mm. and um, and just like cre- what creating looks like d- even during quarantine. Yeah. Like there is just a lot. Like when I started making signs, I was like, oh my gosh, I've missed make doing art. Huh. Like it, it was just a reminder of the things that we miss during quarantine and you know being at home and not being in like regular spaces where we might do things like this with other people and it reminds me in an odd way I, i circle back to this from time to time when people talk about art making it's that phrase attributed to paul where he says woe be to me if i do not preach the gospel this idea that it's like this burgeoning burning sensation from within mm. um and i've got to get this out of me somehow and i feel like for some people and the way you talk about it art becomes like that that modality of expression that you you can't keep it in yeah it it, it does physical harm and spiritual harm to do that and and for me like i don't realize it until i do something again i'm like yeah oh my gosh, I've missed this so much. And like, how have I like not been doing this? And like journaling is one of the things for me. I haven't really been doing it, but I kind of said, mentally, I said, you know, this week I'm going to pull out my journals again and and start back. And so like, Mm. that's another thing. And you think like, I was like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be in my journal for like hours because there's so much like locked inside that I haven't let out. Yeah. Even though like we're still at home and we're still, you know, doing all this, I feel like I'm kind of like reintroducing myself back to like everyday things. Yeah. Um, and trying to kind of figure out, okay, like it's been months, like, you know, we, cause I think in all of our minds, we, 
at the beginning of this, we were like, oh, well, by June, we'll be back out. Like, we really thought it was going to be, like, a couple months, and then we're going to be out, and that is not the case. So I think that I'm personally kind of, like, resolving myself to that. Okay, Mm -hmm. you know, we're in the house. How do I make my in-the-house experience um, an out-of-the-house experience in the house? Right, yeah. It it almost strikes me almost like a, a form of a cloistered experience, like uh, the monastic experience or the Abbey experience of living aside. And yet, because of social media and technology and needing to go out and get supplies and the urge to go out onto the streets, it's not that kind of, quote unquote, pure uh, sequestered life. We're not doing, we're not keeping ourselves as busy as we used to. But that means the internal life becomes richer and more in need of processing or more in need of outlet. Yeah, absolutely. Tell us about uh, New Covenant Church. What do you want to know? <laughs> I want to know everything about it. Well, I've been there for 16, 17 years. Almost since the beginning then. A really long time. Yeah, I've been there since 2003. Okay. Um, and this past year has been very transformative for me personally. I ha- I've been away a lot. Mm. Um, just because my life changed, uh, with jobs and stuff. And I ended up having to work Sundays and Saturday nights. And, um, so I've been away, but, and at first it was kind of a bummer, but now I'm seeing it as more of a blessing because Mm. it was the first time that I've ever had to miss church for like, just like, you know, I may, I may have gotten once a month and I may not have made it once a month. Like Mm. I was, I've just been out for a long time. And then this was prior to quarantine and everything. So now it's, it's prolonged. Like there's online church. Um, but you know, stepping away has allowed me to see a lot of things that, you know, I did, I may not have necessarily caught before. Um, and when I say that I'm talking about like, um, just being out in society mm. more and like, you know, we have this concept of like the world and the church. And yeah. so being out in the world more, I've been able to, um, engage with people that I would not normally have engaged with. I've had an opportunity to meet a lot of people, um, from different like faith backgrounds, no faith background. Um, I've hung out with a lot of atheists in the last year, a lot of agnostics. Um, and I've for the first time, really, honestly, like in my whole life, um, I've just, I've learned a lot. And Mm. one of the main things that I've learned in the last year, and I'll go back to the church in a second, but one (laughs) of the, one of the main things that I've learned in the last year is that, um, people, really just want to be loved, heard and understood. Yeah. That's been my takeaway from the last year. Mm. And it's been beautiful, it's been humbling. Um just I don't know. I have I have a different heart for people mm. than I have before because of this experience being being kind of away from the church. Do do you think that uh, that's interesting to hear? Do you think that there is a message from the church and I'm speaking very, very grandly and broadly right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a message from the church of the only place you can truly be yourself is on that Sunday morning for an hour. And then everything else out there is something to be afraid of. Um, and so do, do you think that's a message that we're kind of sending and therefore it 
prevents us from truly engaging with the world? What? Yeah, sometimes. Um, I think that we have a lot of ideas about what, quote unquote, the world needs. Yeah. And it's not necessarily what the world needs, I've yeah. noticed. They don't need our programs. They don't need our, you know, like, 10 steps to do whatever. Like, they're just not... Nobody's looking for that. People want to be heard. People want to be loved. People want to be understood. Mm. Like, like I've just known this time and time again, seen it time and time again. And I'm like, I like, I just want to like love people. Mm. Like getting to know people has given me a heart for them in such a new way. And I think we, we all need that. Um, I think in church work, you get so caught up in like the church work that you don't stop and realize like, these are people like sometimes you can stray away from your, you know, agenda or plan or whatever and just like love people mm. and, and find out where they're at. Mm. Sometimes people just need, you need to just be like, Hey, wh- where are you? How are you? And that does so much more than, you know, the traditional things that we think that we need constantly. Yeah. You were telling us about new covenant church. Yeah. So I've been there for the last 16, 17 years. Uh, but yeah, I've been involved in worship ministry. I've been involved in art ministry there. Um, and like I said, prophetic ministry, um, goes along with all of that. Um, and it's been, it's been interesting cause I, you know, I grew up in a, I grew up church of God in Christ. Kojic. Then I found new covenant in 2003 and it's an LGBTQ affirming church, which I didn't know was even a thing. Mm. Um, and I, when I came to New Covenant, I was very like, I didn't know. I was like, what are, are they like taking stuff out of the Bible? Like, I was very like self righteous, and you know, mm. I was like, oh, I I need to go see what they're doing over here because I don't think that they're doing things right. You know, that type of. Thing. So it was almost like you went there to fix them. Yeah, I was mm. like, I don't, I don't, I don't know about this. Somebody told me about the church, and so I went and. I didn't even make it for the service. I was late. I got there at the end because uh, I was waiting on a friend to get off work to come with me. And I finally get there and I felt like I literally walked in the door and I could, and I always said like I could f- tangibly feel the love of God like hit mm. me as soon as I walked in and I didn't know what that was, but I stayed and for like weeks, all I would do was just cry. Like I couldn't even worship during worship. I would just cry mm. because God was like doing stuff in my heart that I didn't understand. Cause I didn't know that any of this existed. I didn't know that you could reconcile sexuality and spirituality. I didn't know that like, you know, all of these things that I grew up with and, you know, people preaching like hate and stuff. Like I didn't know that that wasn't, Re- a thing mm. Mm. <laughs> I didn't I didn't know that I could be loved by God you know just how I was and who, for who I for who I am mm. um as I am and that was just like a huge huge revelation for me and it changed my li- life and it changed my heart and um I like from that moment like I had a heart for God. Hmm. Janica Blackwell on AIJ Cast. We'll be back with more of our conversation in just a moment, but first, a quick word. As always, I encourage you to visit the AIJ Cast website, AIJCast.com, where you will find links to our artists and to their news, events, and products. 
If you listen to AIJCast on any number of podcasting platforms, you may not know that we have more episodes available than show up on those platforms. You can find our full three plus years of weekly archives on our website right there on the main page. Just click on past seasons. And I do want to take a quick moment to ask you to consider supporting AIJCast with your financial contribution. Our production costs have increased due to the impact of COVID-19 and our inability to interview people in person for the time being. So if you would be so kind, please take a moment, go to our website, AIJCast.com, and click on the link that says support. Thank you. And now, back to more of our conversation with Janica Blackwell. So I'm curious going into that context, I'm hearing subtext and I may just be reading in, but I'm hearing your own kind of coming to terms with your own sense of sexuality Mm -hmm. is that part of that story as well yeah because so i i mean i identified as uh queer i always have um and you know growing up kojic that's not something that you really hear about as being like wonderful and great um not from the pulpit anyway uh but yeah so then when i found new covenant and it was an affirming church i was just like it was I had I was like how do I reconcile this with my head and my heart because in yeah. my heart I knew that it was that was it I knew that God was in it I knew that like it was you know the spirit of God leading me there but in my head I knew everything that I grew up under and right. what I was taught and I was just like I didn't know how to reconcile the two but once I did man I just that was it and I I had this like a the strongest spiritual relationship that I had like even before you know even growing up hmm. I didn't have the, the this strong of a relationship that I did after I found New Covenant. I, it does make me wonder. So when you first went there, how much of it do you think was looking forward to proving them wrong, and how much of it was hoping to hear something different? Hmm. You know, I wouldn't say that it was hope that any of it was really hoping to hear something different because I, I, I literally had no concept There's that they, no what they were, for that. yeah, I had no concept of affirmation. Um, none at all. Like no one, I'd never heard that before. Hmm. So I was just like, there's no way. And I, I'm telling you like the spirit of God met me at the door and was like, wait, <laughs> was like, hold on. I'm about to show you something. Just shut up, sit down wow. and, and pay attention. And that's what I did. And when I did, man, my heart was just like rocked. <laughs> well, and that's the charismatic experience, right? I yeah. mean, that's the Pentecostal moment where the spirit speaks against everything that you have heard and been taught in a way that is life affirming. Yeah. Yeah. And that to me is, that's the gift of the charismatic Pentecostal spirit filled church to the world. Um, because again and again, I encounter self-identified queer Christians who grew up in those contexts and were told that they were rotten their whole lives. Mm -hmm. And at some point went into their prayer closet and came out with this word of God saying, I love you. Yes, even that part of you. Yeah. I love you. Yeah. And it feels like that was that was a beautiful surprise that you got to experience that first Sunday and then growing into that after that. Absolutely. I like what you what you just said about um about all all of us, not just like this piece, this piece and then we can hide these pieces. Yeah. 
um, that, that I think that's been like a generational revelation mm. that God wants all of us. And it's not, you know, not just the comfortable pieces. He wants the yeah. ugly parts and the broken parts and the messy parts and the smelly parts and like just all of it. And, and we are so quick to like hesitate to, to give him all of our lives. But once mm. we do, man, it's like, Oh okay, like you really do know me and you really do like have good things for me and, and want the best for me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, we, we've talked a little bit about identity here and I know that identity is something that has been stirring particularly with you and in you in the last couple of years. So could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so I shared with you a little bit about, uh, me finding out my own um, heritage and like where I come from because I, I, my whole life I was, well, first of all, I was adopted. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't really know, I didn't know my parents. um, But I also did not know like fully my ethnicity. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I knew I was black, but I knew I was mixed and I didn't know necessarily with what, but I just, you know, I just figured I'll find out one day. And then, you know, sure enough, we're in the age of like, DNA test 23 and me and all that stuff. Yeah. Now you can find that out so easily. And so a couple of years ago I took a test. Um, I did the, the ancestry DNA mm. and I found out that I am 50% um, Pacific Islander, more specifically Tongan, mm. which I'd, ne- I'd never even heard of. Um, and from that, I actually ha- like have met only online so far, but I met a blood cousin through mm. doing those tests. So um, I'm finding out that I have an entire heritage that I know nothing about. Um, and from this, I might be able to actually find my birth father also. Wow. Which is huge. Yes. Yeah. What What does that do to you? Growing up, you're adopted. You know that your birth parents probably one of them black african-american the other one question mark mm-hmm. so what does identity look like then how does it shift with this new moment yeah so i mean my adopted parents are black yeah. uh, my my father passed away a couple years ago but uh i grew up in a black household that's mm-hmm. all i've ever known so my identity has always just been black you know right. when everybody asked they're like oh but you're mixed with something i'm like yeah i'm i'm mixed but i'm black like that's yeah. just always been uh, my answer um but i do recognize now i'm at, i you know i have an entire heritage that i know nothing about and that you know um i'm going to soon find out more about um but yeah it's it's been interesting I still like it, it doesn't change. Um, it doesn't change. Like it doesn't change anything really for me. Like I'm excited to find out the new things and to meet family members and things like that. But, um, and I know that there's a rich history, you know, with like Polynesian people. And so I'm excited about that. I'm definitely excited about that. Um, but I'm still black. Uh, (laughs) with that, I'm both. And yeah, I'm still, you know, I still go hard for, for all black causes. Mm. Like that's just, that's who I am. That's who I've always been. I'm curious if there's anything in this discovery that you, maybe it speaks to you personally, but maybe it's something that kind of 
sheds light for you on the human experience, broadly speaking? Yeah, it was, it's was. it been so important for me to know just because I've gone my entire life like not knowing mm-hmm. um, where I came from or what I was. So I don't know. It's almost like a, a child finding out like, you know, their their heritage or whatever because there's so much that I have to learn about just like Polynesian heritage. I'm very, I'm very curious to find out. And then when you tie that back to like art, I'm super excited about the, um, the possibility of, of getting like a tribal tattoo that is, you know, from my people and, um, representative of me and my, my family and this whole journey that, that I'm finding out, like I'm, I'm, I'm starting to envision that. Um, Cause that's like, that's like a big, like Pacific Islander Polynesian thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, like tribal tattoos. And so I'm excited about that. I've thought about that. It, it makes what I hear you saying is the importance of belonging. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. the importance of connecting with who you are and how that speaks to us at a biological level. And also at a spiritual level, I think, the sense of connecting with our own stories and our family stories. Yeah. Janica, if you had a charge for people who are listening, whether it's a piece of wisdom you go back to as kind of a, a fount for you or something that our conversation has stirred up, what would it be? Um, the thing that I go back to constantly is never stop progressing and never feel like you've like learned everything, I guess. Um, and, and I, I actually answered that question for somebody else in the context of, uh, like in a spiritual context. And what I meant by that and what I mean by that is that, um, more specifically when it comes to being like, when I, when I look at being LGBT affirming in, church and in Christian spaces, like we can't stop there. So like, just because we're affirming, we can't stop there and say, we've made it. No, that I, I think, and I guess my experience has been that it's time to look at other intersections, um, with faith and find out what else do we need to deconstruct and what else do we need to, um, make, make available for everybody, if that makes sense. Cause I feel like the affirming space, it makes God available to everybody. And it's like, what other places have we not made God available to everybody? Um, and so that's kind of where I'm at. And what I've been really thinking about is like, don't, don't stop progressing. Like that's a pretty progressive, like being LGBTQ affirming, is pretty progressive, but it's like, there's other places, even the affirming church can progress. So, cause there's just so many other places that we can find out what God's doing and what he's saying and where he's going in, you know, in the context of what's going on in the world. Um, I feel like, you know, there've been, so, there's been so much that people have had to say about, um, and I'm going to put quotes, because I don't like these terms necessarily, but like quote unquote looting and quote unquote rioting and, and, and the protests and the demonstrations that are going on. And it's like, can you not see God in the midst of this crying out to our cities 
and crying out the blood, crying out from the ground for justice. Like, can we not see the prophetic moment that's happening right now on the streets of all of our cities, crying out for justice? Like, that is God. That is God crying out for justice. That is God crying out to make all things right and all things new. Um, so I just see this as an opportunity that the church could really embrace as its own movement and, and help push us forward um, into the next thing that, that we're doing. Because it's only going to get better from here. It can, there's nowhere else to go. <laughs> there's nowhere else to go. Jenica Blackwell, thanks for being on AIJCast. Thank you. Janica Blackwell on AIJCast. You can find Janica online through her Instagram, where her handle is underscore Janatron. That's J-A-N-A-T-R-O-N. On our next episode, artist and entrepreneur Tamisha Grandstaff. AIJCast is made possible through the support of listeners like you. We are grateful for your support, especially at a time when our production costs have increased due to the effects of COVID-19. So I do invite you to take a moment, go to our website, AIJCast.com, and click on the link that says support. And we'd love to interact with you on social media. We are there on a number of platforms where our handle is, surprise, surprise, AIJCast. Our music is provided by our house band, Marred Fame. And we are engineered, mixed, and produced by the always jaded Al Moody. This is how Al lets us know that a new episode is ready. I'm about to show you something. Just shut up, sit down. And I'm your host, Marthame Sanders, reminding you to stay put, create some beauty, and remember that the world is not truly beautiful until it is beautiful for all. Peace and justice.